whose excuse the devil made me do it has sadly been said by more Baptists today because we just don't want to take the blame ourselves. The devil made me do it. Well, had sister so-and-so not looked at me funny, I wouldn't have had to spread this lie about her. Right? Had, had this not happened, had the potato salad, the potluck not been spoiled, I wouldn't have had to leave church and, and go down the road to some other church, right? A million things. She uses the excuse that she was tricked and ignores the fact that she knew God's law and willfully broke it, then tempted her husband to do likewise. She was tricked. She was beguiled. Satan's crafty. But she still had the choice to eat. And then she made the second choice to give to her husband. And then Adam, he missed the whole boat five minutes before that. He should have been looking at that tree and looking at that serpent and looking at what could be happening and going, come on, honey, we got to go. God's going to meet us in a little bit. We're going to go walk with Him. And that had happened. Notice with Adam and with Eve, we have no remorse. No real remorse. We've got what the Bible calls worldly sorrow. They're real sorry that they got caught. They're real sorry that now they're, they're cold and they're naked and they're afraid of God that they have to hide behind fig leaves, they have to hide behind a tree, and that they hid behind those things and still God found them. There's no real repentance in this. As a matter of fact, we don't find even the slightest bit of repentance in it. That there's no confession of sin. There is a passing of sin onto somebody else. It was my wife that you gave me, and then it was the devil that made me do it. They're living in a false reality that somehow they can escape or should be able to escape judgment because it's just not my fault. There will be a many who stand before the judgment seat of God and who will claim the same things. I was in church my whole life. The devil, well, he, he made me do that thing that one time and I just could not help it. Or I was tricked or I just didn't know any better. Baloney. We know better. Our conscience, the law of God, there is so much evidence in the world around us. We know what sin is. Lastly, as one commentator puts it, in offering these excuses, neither of them denied the fact, but the fault in both was that they did not at once smite upon their breast. It is so still. The sinner, first of all, endeavors to throw the blame upon others as tempters and then upon circumstances which God has ordained. Turn with me now to James chapter 1. And we'll be done. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse number 13. says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So, there goes your excuse there, Adam. Right? Adam says, it's the wife that you gave me. Had you not made me this way, can the thing that which is formed say to the one that formed it, why have you made me thus? Romans 9. Can you? Can't. Can Adam look at God and say, well, look, you put me in the perfect place. Why would you have to go put that tree there? Why would you allow the snake in there? Why would you let my wife even go afar from me? How come you... He's got nothing. It is not God... 
who brings about evil to man's doorstep to tempt him with evil or to tempt him with sin. God brings about and draws us to what? To righteousness. As He made Adam to be the Imago Dei, the, the image bearer, made in His image, in His likeness, He is meant to be pure and like God. He is to reflect God in the garden. But instead, His image is marred because for just a split moment, His view of God is marred and His heart becomes full of lust. And He eats and disobeys the God that He knew and walked with. But then in verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Let me repeat that. Of his own lust and enticed. You sin because you like sin. We sin because sin is there. And as long as we are in this flesh, we are going to battle this fight of enjoying sin more than we enjoy God. But your new nature longs to enjoy God. It longs to have fellowship with God. It longs for heaven. It's not your flesh that longs for heaven. It's your flesh that longs for more stuff on this earth. It's your flesh that keeps you tied down to this world and the things of it. But it's the new nature in you that, that cries and groans to know God more. But your lust brings about this sin. Enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Separation. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above. It cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Which reminds us, of course, of one of my favorite hymns, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And as we end tonight, I want us to end on this. Adam and Eve had no one to blame except for themselves, for their own sin. You and I have no one to blame except for us. If you want to know your biggest problem in life, go home tonight and look in the mirror. That's right. That's right. We are our biggest problem. We sin because we want to, we sin because we like to, but what is the answer? The answer is not fig leaves. The, the answer is not fig leaves of coming to church, saying the part, doing the part, acting the part, and speaking the Christianese. The, the answer is not coming to revival each night and maybe even raising your hand or, or, or praising God for something, right? Just to make sure that, that people know how righteous you are. The answer is not found in any any leaf that you can possibly put on with your own hands or your own good works or religion or anything that you do or give. Nor is, is the answer found in hiding from God behind a tree that's lunacy and illogical at best. The answer is not found and then going to God and saying, well, let me give you the reasons as to why I did what I did and give you my circumstances and, and my wife. And then ultimately, well, you know, God, you... Had, had all this stress not been in my life, I wouldn't have been so weak. Had you not allowed all these things to happen, I, I never would have fallen into this, this pit. And, but, but anyways, thank you, Lord, anyways, for your goodness. No. What's the response? 
Our response is to hear the voice of the Lord. To hear the mighty footsteps that desire to walk with us in sweet fellowship. And though we find ourselves sinners, like what Jesus says with the two that pray, the the Pharisee and the publican sinner, we must smite our breast God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's redemption. That's salvation. That's grace. That's revival. What we find in Genesis 3 is perhaps one of the sweetest, most God-glorifying conversations that there ever has been. And you say, how in the world do we find that in those few verses And in such a conversation where man is now full of sin and blaming God. Because when God should have immediately cast them away forever and forever and forever, He gives them an opportunity, each one, to repent. I wonder how many revivals that we'll schedule until we would repent. I wonder how many Bible studies we'll have until we repent. I wonder how many times we'll read through my utmost for His highest and do so half-heartedly and have our daily speed read through three chapters and say we read the Bible in a year until we actually repent. I wonder how many more times we'll walk through that back door with fig leaves on until we finally repent. And we find God's grace and mercy that's been extended to us through Christ and daily receive it, not by our good works, not by any merit that we have, but by simple faith and obedience to Him. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for Your goodness, Your faithfulness in this passage that we can see that You truly are unchanging in in Your ways. When you tell us that you're good, that means you're good. When you demonstrate your grace, you do so immeasurably. God, you are infinitely merciful and faithful to a faithless people. God, we thank you that we can study your word to see how you responded to such a terrible travesty as sin in the world and your creation. But Lord, even more so, this points to the beautiful fact that you sent your son Jesus to die for every soul so that we might repent and believe and be born again to experience redemption, to be reconciled unto you through the blood of His cross. God, I pray that we would experience that peace, that we would experience that revival. Even so tonight, God, that we would find ourselves not trying to justify our sin, not trying to look around and blame anything, but rather, God, just to simply tonight place our hearts and our lives upon Your mercy seat. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for all that you've done. And I pray that you go with us now. May we have tender hearts. May we be obedient to you. Lord, use us in this lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, amen.